glad that all of you are here today. Well, today we are in the, the, it's the last message in the Awe series, and we'll begin a new series next week, but it has been a great uh, few, couple of months anyway, as we've looked at the pa- passages of Scripture. Yesterday I was reading the newspaper, and I came to the sports page, and I, I don't typically read the sports page much, but there, there was a story there on the front page of the sports section, and I wanted to read through it. And what, what the, the story was is that uh, there's a, a dad uh, of a young baby boy and lives in Ashland. Some of you may have seen this. And uh, what he did, he, this dad is a very big fan of baseball. Uh, I, f- I think he is a fan of the, the Phillies, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, uh, he uh, sent a letter to all 30 of the major league baseball teams on behalf of his son. Uh, since his dad's a huge baseball fan, he felt like that having a favorite baseball team uh, was very important in life. And he said in the paper article, it said, friends may come and go, but one's team is one's team forever. And so what he did is he sent this letter to all 30 of the Major League, major league Baseball teams, and he asked them this question. It's a pretty long letter, but he asked the, the, juxta of the, the, uh, the juxta of the whole uh, the letter was that he was asking in this letter to them, why should you be Jack's favorite team? Why should you be Jack's, and Jack's his, his baby boy's son, uh, why should you be Jack's favorite team? In other words, he's asking the team, what makes you worthy to be my son's favorite team? Now, we don't know which one he's going to pick because obviously the son will have to read all the different responses as he gets older uh, and then will choose. But I thought about that and thought about this idea of today's message of worthy. Worthy. You friends, see, friends, listen, as we come to our scripture today in the book of Revelation, when we come to the book of Revelation, We find that it's not about a baseball team, but rather all of heaven declares that God is worthy of all awe. Amen? He is worthy of all awe and wonder and glory and worship and honor and praise. And as we see that in these two chapters of 4 and 5, they're short chapters, so don't get too scared about that. And John is invited here in these chapters to see how God is worthy of all awe. And then we are also able to see that as well as John writes these things down. So let's see that God is indeed so worthy of awe and worship and praise. And may that, friends, listen, may that instill within us praise and passion for for him and a priority of him. So in honor and reverence to the word of God, if you'd please stand as I read Revelation chapter 4, going to the end of chapter 5. John writes, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet, speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads, and from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices." 
Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there is a sea of glass like crystal. In the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll to loose and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures. And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth." And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, just reading these words, we're in awe. We're in awe of who you are. We recognize that you are worthy of all praise and honor and glory and worthy of our awe. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak in this time. Lord, that our hearts would be in tune with what you want us to hear from your word. Lord, that we'll walk away with a greater understanding and respect for you as the creator God, our redeemer Lord, who is worthy of all awe. Lord, I pray again for those who may not know you as Savior. May this be that time where you call them to yourself. For those of us who are your children, Lord, may you renew within us a greater excitement and enthusiasm about who you are. And so, Lord, may it spur us on to higher levels. 
And now, Lord, may you have your way in every heart and life, and may the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I want you to see in your bulletin today, there is an outline. We want you to fill in those blanks uh, today. And we want to see, first off, as we look here at He is worthy of all, the first thing that we see here, that indeed He is worthy of all, just look at, first off, the scene. The scene in which John sees. As we come to this scene, which is really all of chapter 4 and chapter 5, it reminds us somewhat of the scene that we saw in Isaiah chapter 6 a few weeks ago as we saw just a glimpse of His glory. But here we see just a little bit more. In verse 1, it tells us that after these things I looked, John says, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. The Bible here tells us that a door opened in heaven. Can you just imagine what John is thinking, who knows the Lord, who has spent time with the Lord. Now he is uh, exiled on the island of Patmos, and the door of heaven opens, and he is invited to come up and to see. Boy, what a scene is about to unfold in front of John. Amen? And we see here that the scene in these two chapters, he sees the scene and he is in awe because God is worthy of all as he sees things which are not comprehensive to us, things that we cannot comprehend. What he sees are the Trinity. He sees God the Father who sits on the throne in verse 2 of chapter 4. He sees Jesus, the Son of God, who is the Lamb that was slain in uh, chapter 5, verse 6. And he sees the Holy Spirit also represented by the seven lamps of fire in chapter 4, verse 5, which represents the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So he sees this Trinity, that thing that we can't wrap our minds around, he is able to see. But not only does he see the scene of the Trinity, he also sees the throne. In verse 2 he says, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. This throne, of course, as it is a kingly throne, it represents God's great authority. It represents God's power. It represents God's position that he and he alone is sovereign and that he is in control. He sees the Trinity. He sees the throne and also tells us here that he sees the one who sat on the throne. In verse 3 it says, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Now as, as John is writing these words here, he uses, you'll notice he uses the word like a whole lot. It's like this. It's like that. It's like this. Because it's hard for John to put into words of what he is seeing because the scene itself is so awesome. Amen? He's, he's having to use words like like, and he tells us that the one on the throne is like a jasper. Now, a jasper is a diamond. It's a, a translucent type stone that has various colors that especially like the color of fire, uh, colors that are beautifully reflect, refracted uh, from this throne. And then the Sardis stone is a transparent or translucent uh, ruby red. It tells us that there is an emerald colored rainbow. That's in, and of course, we believe that it's encircling uh, the throne uh, because nothing is incomplete in heaven. Everything's complete. So it's a full circle. But we're not sure whether it is a 
circle that is uh, vertical around the throne this way, or it's horizontal like this way. But it is an emerald rainbow circling the throne. Amen? Can you imagine the sight of it all? So not only does he, and as he sees that emerald colored rainbow, it reminds us of the covenant promise of God, of his mercy, of his grace, and of his faithfulness. John sees the scene, and he recognizes that God is worthy of all all. In verse 24, he sees the scene there. Uh, verse 4, rather. He sees the, the, the 24 uh, thrones. And on the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And so the 24 elders here are representative of the church. All the believers in Jesus Christ, whether they are Jew or Gentile, whether, who, no matter what, they are the believers in Jesus the white robes represents their righteousness. The crowns of gold represent the victory or overcomers. He sees the scene. He is in awe of who God is. God is worthy of all awe. He sees that. Not only that, but in verse 5, we see that he, from the throne proceed lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. This, this lightnings and thunderings. You know, sometimes you can be sitting out on the porch, and in the distance, you can see it lightning, right? You can hear a little rumble of thunder. Maybe you've heard that in the past couple of days. And when you hear that at a distance, you know that there's something that's about to take place, right? There's a storm that is coming. And so as John sees this, it's an indicator of a storm that is coming. And what is that storm? This storm is the storm of the tribulation, that seven-year period of of God's judgment on the earth where he will pour out wrath and judgment on this fallen world because of sin. It's that which is coming. John sees all this. He sees the scene of the Trinity and the throne, him who sits on the throne. He sees the scene of the church, the 24 elders. He sees the lightnings and the thunderings. And then he sees in verse 6, it tells us, before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. Here we see that the, the sea of glass is not a literal sea, but rather it is, a, is like crystal. It's a world. If, you can, if we can even try to begin to imagine, it's a world of brilliant light, glorious in all of its beauty. John sees the scene of these things, and then he sees verse 7 and verse 8, the, these four living creatures. It tells us there that the first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now these four living creatures may have been uh, the, the same as the seraphim that are mentioned over in Isaiah chapter 6 that we saw a few weeks ago. But they do not rest praising the Lord God Almighty. And they do not rest saying, holy, 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 which represents, of course, His holiness. The Lord God Almighty, which represents His power and His authority, who was, who is, and who is to come, which, of course, speaks of His being eternal. All oh, the scene... That he sees here. And then he sees this in verses 9 through 11. This scene of humble worship. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne. Now watch this. Who lives forever and ever. 
the 24 elders, representative of the entirety of the church, those who are believers in Jesus, they fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever, and they cast those golden crowns that they have on their head, they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. You see, friends, what the church will do at that time is that we will recognize as we are standing before the presence of Almighty God, we're going to recognize fully that it is not about us. Y'all got that? As we are before the Lord Almighty, it will be the first time really where there will be no pride within us and we will understand fully that this thing that we have called life has not been about us but about God Almighty. And what happens here with the church is that we will cast our crowns before the Lord, meaning that we're not going to take any credit for anything which we have done for why we have those crowns. I've heard people say, I can't wait to get to heaven and finally get that crown. Or there's going to be a star in your crown. Whatever. That's fine. That's fine. But I got news for you. You're going to realize that you have that crown not because of anything that you have done. But it was that God has done through you and for you and by you. It's all about him. And so you're going to recognize fully that it's not about you having the crown. But what he's done in you. And so he deserves the crown. You're going to take that crown off. And you're going to bow before the king of kings and the lord of lords. And cast those crowns before him. And worship the lord. Amen. That's what we're going to do. It's going to be all about it. It's us saying to him as we do this, I am not worthy, O Lord. I am not worthy to be in your presence, O Lord. But you are worthy and you are the creator. And everything that exists is because of you. Who am I to stand before God? But I rather bow in humble worship and adoration and in awe. And we will bow before him casting our crowns before him. Can you imagine this scene? Friends, if you're a believer in Jesus, you will do more than imagine it. You will be a part of it. Amen? You'll be a part of it. The awe of God. We see the scene. The Lord is worthy. He is worthy of all. Take a look at the scene. But then secondly, take a look at the scroll. Take a look at the scroll. What in the world are you talking about, Pastor? How does a scroll show that God is worthy of all? Friends, this scroll is not ten helps to how to have a better life. This scroll is not Dr. Seuss, okay? This scroll is no ordinary scroll. It tells us in chapter 5, verse 1, I saw, John says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. We see some things very significant about this scroll. One, it's in God's right hand. It's held by God, the Father, on the throne. It's in his right hand. Now, being on the right hand of the Father has always been very significant and important. It shows importance throughout the Scripture, being on the right hand. This is not on the right hand. It's in the right hand of God, even more so. 
And it tells us here that there's writing on the inside and on the back. It means there's many details in this scroll. It means it's very significant. And it tells us also that there are seven seals here on the scroll. And if you remember how, how, how things used to be done way before our time, a waxed seal uh, was a guard for privacy of the contents of something that was being carried about uh, to someone else. And, and it could not be opened until the authorized person then could break the seal and open the scroll. So it tells us here that this scroll with seven seals is certainly a significant scroll. Well, what exactly is this scroll? Well, I'm glad you want to know because I want to tell you. This scroll is the title deed of the whole earth. That's what it is. It's the title deed of the whole earth. It's God's judgment scroll. You see, friends, when this scroll is opened... It will begin the process of Jesus gaining his rightful inheritance. The Bible tells us, listen, that Jesus is the heir or the inheritor of all of creation. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2, it says that God has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world's. Now notice, when John, what John here now is witnessing in the midst of the scene and seeing this scroll, he recognizes that it is magnificent. This glorious scene that is being seen from John from chapter 4 until now is a scene of God's ultimate reign. John's never experienced that before. On the earth, but now he has come up to see and he's experiencing God's ultimate reign. And now, with this scroll, he realizes that that which was lost at the Garden of Eden is about to be regained. He recognizes that the ultimate, now listen, the ultimate triumph over Satan and sin and evil is about to take place. But somebody must open the scroll. Somebody must open the scroll. And so in verse 2, it says, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? So we see here that this strong angel proclaims, meaning that from one end of the universe to the other, likely this will be heard. Who is worthy to open the scroll? And to loose its seals. And there's nothing. Verse 3 says, And no one in heaven on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And what happens then is it tells us, John, in, in verse 4, he says, So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. John weeps. And notice that this is not just a whimper. He is weeping because no one's able to open this scroll. Why? Why is he weeping about this? Well, it's because he wants to see the world without evil, the world without sin, the world without death. And he is ready for Satan's domain to be destroyed. He is, he is desiring for the reign of God to be on the earth. But no one No one is worthy in the entire universe 
to open the scrolls. But John has this great desire to see this take place. But then, then the elder, an elder, one of the 24 elders says to me, verse 5, do not weep. Do not weep. The elder says, wait. There is one. Can you imagine? John is weeping because no one's worthy to open the scroll. scroll, And yet an elder speaks and says, wait a minute, John. There is one. There is one to open the scroll. There is one worthy to begin this process. Friends, listen. Our God is worthy of awe. Because as we see the scroll, we are reminded that God's plans will come to pass. They will come to pass, and Satan and sin and death and evil will be defeated. And there is one, there is only one who is worthy to open the scroll, and it is the one who is worthy of all awe, and it is the Savior. Which is the third point. The Savior is the one who's worthy. Look at verse 5. He says, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. There is one who has prevailed. There's one who has conquered. There's one who has triumphed to open the scrolls. Well, what has he prevailed over? What has he conquered? How has he conquered? Friends, he has conquered, he has prevailed over the enemy. He has prevailed over Satan and sin. And the enemy, listen, the enemy has been crushed at Calvary's cross and at the empty tomb. And so who is this one? Well, the elder tells us who it is. Behold, the lion The lion. How about that? The lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion. We see in a lion someone who is courageous, victorious, even dangerous, but good. Amen? The lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the root of David. He brought King David's line into existence, showing that he is deity. He is fully God. He he also existed from David's line as well. So only God could be both and do both, being David's Lord and David's son. And as John is hearing from one of the elders as to who this lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David is, now he sees him. Look at verse 6. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne of the, and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. What does that tell us? It tells us that there in the midst of of the throne. Did you notice that? 
in the midst of the throne, in the middle of the throne, in the midst or in the middle of the four living creatures, in the midst or in the middle of the 24 elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Friends, what does that tell us? That tells us that this lamb is central. Watch. He is central to all of heaven. The lamb of God, listen, is central to all of heaven. He is our savior. Listen, friends, from Genesis all the way now to Revelation, throughout the entirety of the book, the Savior, Jesus, the Lamb of God, is central to all that the Scriptures teach and tell us. Amen? Here we find that in the last scenes of the Scripture, the last scenes here, that He is still in the midst. He is central to all of heaven, the Lamb of God, our Savior. I have to wonder, is He central in your life? Does he have that place that's central in your life? And it tells us here that he is standing. And, that ha- and as he has the marks of his death that are visible. But what does that look like? Well, I, I believe, friends, that just as we saw last week, Jesus showed the disciples something, didn't he? He showed them his hands and his side. And then he went to Tom when Thomas came into the midst of that room eight days later, what did Jesus do? He showed him his hands and his side. And friends, I believe with all of my heart that when we get to heaven, we're going to see this lamb as he, was, as, as he was slain. We will see his hands and his side. Amen. We will see what Jesus has done for us. The Bible tells us here that also he has seven horns and seven eyes. Now, don't let that, just, don't let that freak you out today, okay? Because the number seven simply is a, is a sign or means of perfection. And, and having seven horns is just telling us that he had perfect power. As horns was uh, power in animals. It is a sign of power. And eyes was wisdom. And so seven eyes was perfect wisdom. So that tells us that this lamb as who was a slain, was all, who is all-powerful and all-wise. The seven spirits is the Holy Spirit. This all-powerful, all-wise lamb who is the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David is the Savior. And because of his death on the cross, he has the authority and the victory. And he alone is the one who will take this scroll. In verse 7. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Listen, friends, this act of the Lamb Jesus, the Savior, taking the scroll from the Father, this movement of taking the scroll says it's time. That sin's day is over. That Satan's schemes are about to end. And the Savior will be triumphant. For he is the victor and he will reign. And all of heaven continues to declare that he is worthy of all. He is worthy of all as John sees the scene. He is worthy of all as John sees the scroll. He is worthy of all as John sees the Savior. And now John sees and he hears, fourthly, the songs the songs. Now, I want you to notice something, if you haven't already, that starting back in chapter 4 all the way through the end of chapter 5, there is a progression in these songs as it is a building up, a building up, a building up. 
In chapter 4, we find that it's the four living creatures who are the ones who are singing, or saying rather, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then we find a little bit further along in, in, in the verse 11, where it tells us that then the 24 elders who are casting their crowns before the throne, that they're saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and they were created. And now we see in verse 8 here in chapter 5 that it continues to build. And I call this song the song of redemption. Because when it tells us, verse 8, when he had taken the scroll, Jesus the Savior had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. So it was the four living creatures and then it was the 24. Now it's the four and the 24, each having a harp, which is worship, golden bowls full of incense, which is the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy, you are worthy to take the scroll. And to open its seals. So in this song of redemption, we see the song of his power and his position that you, you are worthy. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. We also see that there's a song of the price of what has taken place. The next part says, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. You, were, you have redeemed us. You have purchased us. You have ransomed us to God by your blood. The word redeem means that it's the idea of purchasing a slave with a view to one's freedom. And so they're saying, and we will be saying, that he has purchased us with his blood to free us from the slavery of sin and to pay our penalty for that sin, which is death. We see that he sings of their of his power, that he, they sing of his power, his position, they sing of his price, what he did through his blood, but also they sing of the participants. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. They're saying that he has made us, that he saves to the uttermost people from every corner of the earth, every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. And you've made us kings and priests to our God. You've made us that we're in a kingdom and we have fellowship with the Lord. You see, friends, God is worthy of all as the song of redemption is sung. Can you imagine, friends? Listen, we're going to know as God's people... As we are there in heaven, we're going to recognize that we're not there because of anything that we have done. They're not singing about how much money they gave. They're not singing about how many times they were baptized. They're not singing about how long they were members of a church. They're singing that they're there because of the blood of the Lamb that has redeemed them and purchased them. That's why we'll be there. Not because of any other reason, but because by the blood of Jesus, our Savior, will we be there. And so we see them singing. That's the song of redemption. But wait, it grows even stronger. Now we find in these next verses, there's the voice of many angels around the throne and the four living creatures and the 24 elders. It tells us that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And now, then now this is the song of his reign. The reign is king. It tells us there in verse 12, he says, saying, as they're, as they're crying out with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. You see, friends, when Jesus went to the cross, when the Lamb was slain, it looked like that he was defeated. It looked as though he was defeated as he was slain. 
But no, friends, what we recognize is that he was not defeated, but he was victorious in his death. He is victorious in his death for us in that he is now worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. You see, friends, here's the deal. When Jesus went to the cross for us, he, didn't, he gave up his power. He gave up his riches. He laid aside his wisdom. He laid aside his strength. He laid aside his honor. He laid aside his glory. He laid aside his blessing as he was on the cross. And he did that for us. And now because of what he did for us, the lamb who was slain, now and forever he is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing forever and ever and ever. Amen? As a matter of fact, it tells us in Philippians 2, 8 and 9, and, you, and, and being found in appearance as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. He is worthy and he is exalted. But wait, the sound even grows even stronger. In verses 13 and 14. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And such as are in the sea and all that are in them. I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Friends this is a song what I call the song of realization. Because this is that place that is spoken about In these next two verses of Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Those two verses say that at the name, watch, that at the name of Jesus, every, watch, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is that place. Where they are crying out, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And this moment of awe is so overwhelming that all of the four living creatures, all they can say is, Amen. While the 24 elders, the church, they fall down and worship, worship of him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Worthy. Worthy. Worthy, worthy. Our Lord is worthy. Amen? He is worthy of all awe. We see the scene, we see the scroll, we see the Savior, we see the songs. Three things to do. Real quick. Number one, prepare. You see, friends, we began our message today with a story about a dad who loves his little boy and wants him to have a favorite baseball team and seeking for the the teams to figure out how they can make that son know that they're worthy of his commitment to them forever. And you know, as I was thinking about that, I think sometimes that we have sort of that same mentality when it comes to our faith. We think about the Lord and our faith with him more as we're on his team. But that's not what God has called us to be. 
God has not called you to be on a team. God has called you from the dead to life. As he's called you from dead to life, he's called you to be his son or his daughter, to be his child. And so as you recognize that he's calling you to be that child, it's, it's a relationship. He's calling us to a relationship. And the only way that we can be prepared for this day that will certainly come in all of our lives is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It comes from acknowledging that we're sinners in need of a Savior. All of us have sinned and fall short to the glory of God. And we turn from that sin. We lay aside our sin and we go after Jesus. We pursue Jesus as he is calling us to himself in repentance. Embracing, believing with all of our heart that Jesus is God's son who died on the cross for us, who rose again bodily from the dead. Professing him as the Lord of our life. It's a step of faith. So you are to prepare for this day when we will all bow before the Lord by being ready, by knowing Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life. If you don't know Jesus, yes, you'll be one who will, where every knee will bow. But if you don't have entrusted Jesus, Lord and Savior, before that you die, before the rapture takes place, friends, then you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. But there will be a time when all of us will bow before him. All of us. Every knee. Every knee will bow. Prepare. Secondly, praise properly. Praise properly. Just as those 24 elders recognized that it wasn't about them, but it was all about the Lord, and they cast their crowns before him, saying, Lord, I'm not worthy, but you're worthy. Make sure, friends, that all your praise and everything that we do, all praise must go toward the Savior. Amen? All praise, honor, worship goes toward him. And then so prepare, praise properly, and then finally, practice your praise. Amen? Okay, now, practice your praise. There's coming a day, friends, when we're going we're gonna to be before the Lord. And we're going to praise Him forever and ever. Right? And you know, I know nobody does this here, but we're not going to complain about the sound of the music. We're not going to complain about the repetition of the words. We're not complaining about any of those things. We're going to praise Him. Y'all with me this morning? Say yes. We need to practice our praise and lift up our hearts to Jesus because He is worthy. So why then should we turn our praise to Him? Why should we practice our praise? Well, Well, here's the reason. If we have learned anything from this series of all, we should have learned that He and He alone is worthy of all awe. That He is our God who is greater and bigger and higher and holy and perfect. And that He is our God who is too glorious to be put in a box. That He is too holy to be taken lightly. That He is too majestic to have second place. That He is too great to be overlooked. That he is too wonderful to be passed over. That he is too preeminent to be brushed aside. That he is too righteous to be approached lightly. And that he is too perfect to be comprehended. That this God that we serve is worthy of all all because he is able to speak and the world was created. This God who is able to form humanity from the dust of the earth and then breathe life into man. He is worthy of all all because he is the God who knows where you are and who you are and what is happening. He is worthy of all all because he is the God whose divine nature is love and that is defined by the cross of Calvary. 
He is worthy above all because He is the God who is faithful to guard and to guide. And He is able to part seas and able to rain down fire from heaven. He is the God who is powerful and present and proven and worthy of all praise. He is the God who is holy, holy, holy. And He is the Lord and He is the life and He is our liberator. And He is the one who pardons our sin and promises us heaven and fulfills His purpose. He is the one who offers hope. He's the one who offers joy and the one who offers assurance. And this is our God who is Worthy, worthy of all awe. And he's the one to whom one day, friends, one day, that we will cast our crowns at his feet, bowing before him, crying out, Worthy is the lamb that was slain who has redeemed us by his blood. Let's pray. Father, Oh, how we look forward to that day when this old world is no longer and we're in your presence where you reign completely. But until that time, Lord, comes, help us to practice our praise, to point all praise to you and not receive any for ourselves. Lord, that we would live that life out where we stand and bow in awe of you always. So, Lord, I pray that you would be with us today as we come to this time of invitation. For those who need to say, I want to be in awe of my Lord all the time. I want to remember afresh and anew all that he is, all that he's done, and all that he's ever going to do. And I pray especially, Father, today that you're working and dealing with people's hearts for salvation. People would be prepared for that day. By surrendering to Jesus, and I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Lord, as we come to this time of invitation here in just a few minutes, we pray that you'd bless every person who you're dealing with to make decisions. Maybe they just need to come and pray silently here at the altar. Maybe they need to take Pastor Andy or myself by the hand, just asking for prayer. Lord, whatever you're doing in our hearts and lives, Lord, may we walk away from here today knowing that we serve a God who is worthy of all, all. And we will bow before you, cast our crowns before you, and recognize that we are in your presence, not because of what we have done, but because of the blood of the Lamb on Calvary's cross. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing.